This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Nino left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonso defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right, it is A's Cast Live, live from the field here at the Coliseum. Ricky Henderson Field as we're getting you ready for the Athletics and the Padres. It's going to be a quick, really fun two-game set because if we see anything like we saw down in San Diego, this is going to be a lot of fun. Now, unfortunately, we'll not have Fernando Tatis Jr. to be here, but it is what it is. And I can't tell you how excited I am about what is going on with the Oakland A's. If you had any chance to hear the show on Sunday after the game. Yeah, I was giddy. And the reason why? This new lineup. You finally got to see what the new lineup was going to look like with everybody in it. And this lineup has dramatically changed. This is a legit big league lineup now. No offense to anybody else. But you start replacing a bunch of guys that are hitting 219, 216, why are they struggling, why this, why that, to bringing in straight ballers. You're bringing in guys who have made all-star teams. You're bringing in guys that have World Series rings. You're bringing in guys who are having terrific years. Marte, three for four on Sunday in the victory over the Angels, 8-3. to He's now hitting 306. Jan Gomes, two for three, three RBIs, had the two-run shot that was so impressive. He's hitting 274 with almost an 800 OPS. And then you talk about Josh Harrison, one for five, made some great defensive plays. He's hitting 292 with a 794 OPS. Look at the numbers. Look at the data. Look how different, look how long this lineup looks now compared to what we saw before the trading deadline. It was very obvious that this front office, they looked at the lineup and said it needs help. Now, we weren't exactly thinking about that early when we started talking about the trading deadline, but... Once we started getting closer to the deadline, we knew you got to help this offense out. But it was going to be hard. Well, that's what David Force and Billy Bean, and we see David Force here. We said hello to him. That's a great thing being on the field. We get to see everything. We get to see Commander Cody in a total panic right now because his computer is not charging. That's why we haven't heard a word from him. <laughs> How you doing, Cody? You hanging in there okay, buddy? Yeah, well, I, it's just weird. I mean, 
modern, you know, millennial technology, you know, I mean, we're like 80%, and we're hoping that we get through the show. Okay, question. Buying or selling, we'll be able to power through and get to Vince Catronio at 4.15. I think we'll be okay. I think we'll make it to Vinny. Okay, all right. Buying or selling, 4.30, we'll be able to get to – the computer will be alive for Tony Gwynn Jr. Uh, buying. It's Now, I, I'm hoping we get to our guests after Tony Gwynn Jr. as well. Who do we have after? We're supposed to have Cole Irvin after batting practice. The first time we'll get to meet Cole Irvin in person. All right. No more over-the-phone shenanigans with him at a go-kart track or picking up donuts. We're going to meet him in person finally. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, we, we, we've had Tony Gwynn Jr. on now uh, multiple times, a broadcaster, had a, had a good little career of his own, but a broadcaster now for the Padres. And today's a special day. You know, his father, one of the great players of all time, Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn, started his career in Walla Walla, Washington on this date in baseball history. And a lot of you know my background. I grew up in San Diego and, of course, grew up a Tony Gwynn fan. I watched Tony Gwynn play in high – I watched him play at San Diego State. I watched him play basketball and baseball at San Diego State. I wasn't the biggest Padres guy because you got to remember, growing up in San Diego, there weren't a whole lot of good Padre teams. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's face it. And the one good one they had uh, when they get, went to the World Series against the Pirates, I mean against the Tigers, I was, what, 12, 11, 12 years old? So the majority of my time being in San Diego, they, they stunk. And then I've lived here on a full-time basis since 1991. So I, you know, I just don't have that affiliation like some people think I do. I'm like, no, I haven't been around this team in a a long, long time. But Tony Gwynn was somebody that I loved. And I'll never forget, I had a job at the San Diego School of Baseball, and Tony Gwynn would come in to the Miramar location in the offseason and I would set up the cage at like 65, and we'd be the only two people in there like on a Sunday. And, you know, this guy's a legend. This guy's a batting champion. I'd set it, I can't wait to talk to Tony Jr. about this. And I'd set up the cage, and he'd just sit there, whack, back up the middle, whack. And I'm just sitting there watching this. I'm watching the greatest hitter in the sport. I mean, you can make that debate between him and Wade Boggs at that time. They were both greatness, but Tony Gwynn with eight batting titles. It was just amazing to, to, to watch what he does and to think, you know, everybody always thought that you would get the pitching machine going and you crank it up to like 90 miles an hour. No, 65 miles an hour and everything was right back up the middle, the great Tony Gwynn. So uh, we will talk to him about that because what a special day that uh, Tony Gwynn on this date started his career for the Padres. And I was just uh, down in San Diego yesterday, took the quick, quick flight home, to handle a little family business, and then uh, back last night. So I was actually right next to uh, Petco last night, of course, where the Tony Gwynn statue is. But for the A's, I got to think, Cody, if you're the Padres coming into this game, you're now looking at the A's as a totally different team. I think if, if, you're, if you're the advanced scout and you're, you're giving the information about the Padres – I mean, about the A's to the Padres, they got to be saying, hey, these guys are a different squad. They are definitely a different squad 
with, with, with the new firepower that they have. I think there's no – I mean, what did you see Sunday? Uh, they look completely different. Jan Gomes enters the lineup, but it's a home run. His 10th homer of the season. You got Starling Marte, who stole three bases in the game. I don't, I don't know. What's a stolen base? Uh, but he had three of them in the game. He and attempted a couple bunts, by the way. Did you notice that? Yeah, I mean, he has, what, four steals now and three games with the A's. So he's he's uh, added a nice jolt to the A's lineup. Uh, sorry, four games with the A's. I forgot he started on Thursday. Uh, and Josh Harrison, he, he can hit. That's what he does. He's a nice utility player. So they look like a completely different lineup. You add those three guys in, guys that have batting averages over, let's, uh, you know, let's say over 270. Remember when, you, remember when you said batting average doesn't matter? Uh, well, I mean, some teams it still doesn't matter. The Rays are in first place and their batting average stinks. But, you know, it's, there's exceptions everywhere. The Rays strike out more than anybody in baseball. But that's right, your first place Tampa Bay Rays after sweeping the Red Sox over the weekend. See, whenever someone like you would give me the, the outlier, I'll go, who's number one in runs? Uh, it's, I believe it's still Houston, right? Uh, by a lot. Who's number one in batting average? Houston. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't know why this was uncomfortable for people as we're looking out as the A's are taking batting practice. Vince Catronio is over there with the great Steve Vucinich alongside the general manager, David Forrest. When are we getting, David? Probably Friday because we'll be back here on Friday on the field. That's our next show after today. Is it Texas after this? Yeah, yeah great. They, by the way, they DFA David Dahl, the only other guy in their lineup besides Isaiah Connor Falefa. You really know they DFA him. I, I couldn't even tell you who's on Texas anymore. Well, it's kind of smart. I mean, at this point, it's you gotta, you know, it is what it is. They're in a rebuild. It's hard to believe. You want to talk about being unlucky? You build a brand new stadium. COVID nineteen hits. So your brand new stadium, you only get to have. 30 games in it. And then in the second year of your new stadium, what's happened? You're now going through a full-fledged rebuild. You're supposed to have this honeymoon period. I mean, luckily, Texas is getting people to go to the games because they just want to go to games and, and feel normal again. But, I mean, think about that. Going through a rebuild, starting a rebuild, and you just opened a brand-new stadium. That I don't think that has ever happened in Major League Baseball. Everybody wanted to do the Cleveland example where John Hart basically said, hey, before we open up this Jacobs Field, let's ink up all this young talent, get rid of their free agent years because they had a ton of talent and it put them on a run. You know, they should have won a World Series. They didn't, but they played in a couple World Series and they had a lot of great players, guys that went on to be Hall of Famers. But the, 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 the one thing they thought that was weird how uncomfortable everybody got when the A's traded for Jan Gomes and I asked them the question about, hey, he, this is this is a dude right here. This is a guy. This isn't this is this isn't somebody you trade for and you say you're gonna put him as a backup catcher. And how many of the people that we talk to here on A's Cast Live or even in my postgame show where they're like, whoa, 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 Murph's the guy. Whoa, 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 right? There were multiple people who did that. And it was like they, they couldn't even believe that I suggested. And they're like, well, Murph's the future. I never said Murph wasn't the future. What we're doing is we're talking about today. And I think it's proving out already. Jan Gomes goes off in his first game. Second game, he's starting once again. So the fact that everybody thought that he, no, Murph's the guy, and Gomes is just going to be a backup. I'm like, 
have you watched this guy's career? Hey, this guy's coming in here with a, a pretty new World Series ring, and he's having a fantastic offensive year once again. Yeah, I, I tried to I tried to find to see what make the case to see what what you know between the two. Murph is a much better defensive catcher when it comes to catch frame, you know, pitch framing. I went and looked on Baseball Savant yeah yesterday and a little bit today to look at it. But other than that, I mean, offensively he's having a better year besides home runs, you know, the RBIs. But he wasn't also playing every day either. But uh, what he's be what he's going to be able to bring to the lineup, stability wise, is his ability to hit and defensively. The championship pedigree, what he won in D.C. in 2019 with that staff with Scherzer and Corbin. Um, who else is on that staff? Uh, Strasburg, who signed that massive deal right after. Uh, he, he has a lot of experience. It can help. It can actually help Murph grow past this year. Because, like, who are some of the catchers that Murph had the chance to gr learn from? They're all guys that really didn't have a lot of experience. They're not guys that are any good. Yeah. So he's a guy he has a chance to no learn offense. from. Yeah, he's a guy he has a chance to learn from now. Yes. For, half, you know, for two months, which is actually going to be a good thing for him. But you cannot put a price tag on bringing in guys. As I said, these are dudes, man. These are guys that – these are champion players. These are all-star caliber players that you have just added to your lineup. It's a fight, man. We've got two months, a sprint going on right now. It's an absolute sprint. What are you going to do during that sprint? And after this trading deadline where you now know that all these different all these different teams are going for it, what were you going to do? Well, you made you made arguably some of the best moves. Starling Marte, we we see it. He's he's a terrific player. You watched him in Josh Harrison, you've watched him in Pittsburgh. I mean, these guys are legit players. And that's why I think I'm so excited that the lineup, a hey, changing three guys in your lineup, that's changing your lineup dramatically. There is no question about it. And I'm just so happy that the front office saw it and they knew what they had to do. And we got to see the fruit of it on Sunday. And Vince Catronio, one of the voices of your Oakland Athletics, joins us here as we get you ready for A's baseball. Vinny, I think it was kind of big to have an off day yesterday from – Good afternoon. Yeah, how are you? Uh, I thought it was big to have the off day yesterday because it allows the guys who met up with the team down in Anaheim who now have to come to the Bay Area, you get a day to settle in wherever they're going to live, probably in a hotel somewhere in San Francisco, and just to kind of like breathe a little bit. Sure. And then get ready to go again today. Well, I asked Jay Hay that very question. When did you learn about the trade? Because some of us, I'm sure you saw the same thing when people asked Jesus Lazardo about that on a Zoom with the Marlins after his win against the Mets yesterday, because I found out on Twitter. Well, they were on a plane when it happened, and they landed in Vegas, and they met him coming off the plane. That's when they gave him the news. But, you know, in this world, we know you can – your phones are operating on planes now, and you can get wireless, and you can you can see what's happening in the world. With Jay Hay, he said, I, I went to the clubhouse, and it was still about an hour and a half before the deadline, and – it was the first day of a homestand, and I was told there's a chance that you might be going to Oakland, and so, so now you wait. So now you wait it out. Then the, you know, then it happened, and now he's here. And to your point, it, we take for granted, you know, that they've got to uproot family and, you know, all the things that go along with that, and their apartments and whatnot, wherever they're living in that particular city, and then get to the new city and meet new teammates and and try to play winning baseball, and all those things do. 
they don't come that easily. And so to to have a day to kind of get things going, I think it is a big deal for them. Yeah, then you have two days, and it's going to be a fun series against the Padres, and then another day off. And then it really feels like after Thursday the mentality of, you know, as we've been watching the Olympics, you know, you're coming around the track, and you know you got to put it into that other gear if you're going to win and you're going to be on that podium. I kind of feel like after Thursday, here we go, it's full on out. We're, we're in that total sprint. Well, it's 15 in a row after the – after that off day, and 19 out of 20. So you're right. I mean, they're the dog days. I mean, it's the sprint. It's what you it's what you play for. It's what you hope for. And the A's have been fortunate they've been in this situation before, and I think that's an advantage for them, even though they're holding on to the second wild card, trying to get the first wild card, still trying to chase down the Astros, while teams are trying to chase them down from behind, Yankees and Mariners, Toronto, even Cleveland to a certain extent. I, I think the last two months are going to be incredibly exciting, and, and it's going to be so mind-boggling to keep track of, well, what did Toronto do today? What did the Astros do today? What did the Yankees do today? What did the A's do today? What about the Marlins? What about the Rays? What about the Red Sox? Because from day to day, it could check, it could change from your leading the division, as what happened with Tampa Bay over the weekend, to going from second place to first place. It could go from your, your leading the wild card, like Boston is, or maybe they're not, and then you're hosting the wild card if you're the A's, and who wouldn't want 50,000 people here? Or, you know, something else happens, and you've got somebody, you know, nipping at your heels. I mean, there's so many teams that are involved. As great as the trading deadline was, and because there's only only the one deadline, and because we're back to normalcy in terms of the playoffs, not everybody gets in like last year because of so many things were different with the 60-game season. Only so many seats at the table, and the music's going, and you got to make sure you get your chair. And it's, it's going to—I think—it's going to be enormously exciting. Uh, from this point forward. And it's been tough to keep track of everybody that got traded and how they're doing with their new teams because so many guys got moved. Yeah, 32 trades on trade deadline day. 80 players were moved just that day alone, and we both know because the A's did it as well. Leading up to that day, they got Andrew Chafin beforehand, that that teams made other moves before that specific trading deadline day. So it, it, it is wacky, and just seeing how Rizzo is performing for the Yankees or Gallo is not. Scherzer starts tomorrow against the uh, against the Astros for the Dodgers. I mean, there's a lot of things to keep track of now. That you're here for a reason. You're here to help us do X, Y, and Z, and we're seeing that already with the A's with Marte and and uh, Jay Hay and and Chafin. So it's uh, it's been fun to watch. I'll keep you out of the names. I- I've already done it, so we don't need to bring them up again. But you replace three guys in your lineup, essentially. And that's a big change. Nine guys in the lineup, you change three. That's a big percentage. But you're bringing in legit major league hitters. And no offense to the guys hitting 216, 219. We're in August. You got to win. You brought in three winners. You got guys who have recent World Series rings, all-star appearances. I mean, just talk about the change in the lineup and, and, and just how just what a difference it was on Sunday. Energy. I mean, that game on Sunday, if that's the kind of game the A's are going to play moving forward, they are going to be so much fun to watch and so tough to beat if they continue to get strong starting pitching in the bullpen to go along with what we saw them create offensively. Between Canna, Marte, and Olsen, 1, 2, and 3, with on-pace percentages at 370 or better for those three guys alone, you're talking about creating some early opportunities, maybe scoring some early runs. We saw Marte uh, run balls down. We saw Josh Harrison turn two double plays, one of them on – uh, two of them on Shohei Otani, which had never happened in a game before. Two double plays and, and one game with Otani. Chafin faced Otani twice. <coughs> excuse me. Faced Otani twice, got him out twice. 
I mean, there's some great things to see with this club. And Jan Gomes sits at a mile down the left field line and steps in, and he's a legitimate big league catcher. Guy's been down this road more than once. No doubt about it. I'm 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 really really excited about about this stretch, uh, and I got to think if you're in the clubhouse now for the Padres and you're going over your your advanced scouting, wow, how different the A's look for, than just a week ago when the A's were in San Diego. Yeah, there's a lot of new, a lot of new players, and just a different way the A's approach things. Their lineup looks different, but the one constant that's been there and will be there again tonight is the starting pitching. I mean, Sean Manaya has just been spectacular. He's, along with Chris Bassett, very much as should be in the conversation for Cy Young Award. And the, both of those guys are in the top 10 in multiple categories pitching-wise. And for me, I'm seeing Manaya at a crucial time of the year, in, in the midst of maybe throwing the most innings he's ever thrown in a professional season, getting stronger. He just looks so confident to me on the mound. He, he, he attacks. He believes, he knows his weapons are working. He knows he's always had the deception. Now he has deception with an extra pitch and deception with extra velocity. And I, and I really believe the time that he spent with his buddy, Tyler Pazic in Salt Lake City has really elevated who he is as a pitcher because he truly believes and when things go wrong, they don't go haywire and he doesn't worry about that. He lets it go by and he goes right back to work. For me, Shamanai has been uh, very exciting to watch here and looking forward to seeing pitch tonight. You know, last time we were on the field, he came over to talk to us because we haven't seen him in forever, right? Because we haven't been able to be on the field. And I just was talking to him about his journey and everything with his life and everything, you know, because we, we had him on during COVID when he donated all of this to the EMT workers in San Francisco because his girlfriend is and everything. And we went over all that and he, and he just you know, he talked about he's he's very proud of how he's taken the ball every five days. Yeah. I mean, that me. I mean, if I would have said in spring training, I would have given you odds. Would you bet on the A's rotation leading baseball in innings pitched? No, no. Not that they couldn't do it. The the, the thing about them is, you, you never it, not never. It's rare where you see a collection of arms all come together in the same year. You know, some guys you know get ahead, fall back, get ahead, fall back. When you have five of those guys. You know, if you're in the horse race and you're betting on this one horse, well, he's out there in the lead for a while. Suddenly he, he falls way back, and now he's in third or fourth place and somebody else jumps ahead. These guys have been basically, you know, nose-to-nose the whole way and encouraging each other, supporting each other, and just pushing each other to do better than what I did last night. And I think that's the thing that has been carrying the, the, the rotation, which is why they've got those kind of numbers. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. What, what, what was the final total, 73 games with the same five guys? Right. starting on May 7th. <laughs> yeah, Bassett, Manaya, Montas, uh, Irvin, and Caprillion. Yeah, starting May seventh. Yeah, and I and I'm hoping Cap is just something. Give him a couple days. Well, he's been throwing, yeah. so that's that's encouraging. He's going to throw a side here in the next couple days. He still may be on track to pitch on Sunday against the Rangers. We'll have to wait and see. They can certainly stay with Dalton Jeffries if that's the case. If not, then Cap gets back out there. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for him. I mean, I I thought. His last two outings didn't quite have the same zip to his pitches, not the same finish, didn't have the same velocity as well, and maybe it was a little bit of a of a tired arm or something that needed to be calmed down or just stopped for a period of time, and I think he'll come back strong. Yeah, the reality is he really he hasn't pitched in years. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look at Dalton Jeffries. Like, the Sunday start, Dalton Jeffries against Reed Detmers. Detmers had 60 professional innings pitched just because he got drafted last year out of Louisville. And Dalton, because of the injuries, had 158 minor league innings. That is unheard of 
we, we always remember back in the day, it was 500 pitching innings and 1,500 plate appearances before we even thought about bringing you to the big leagues. Those days are long gone, and teams are, are pushing and or rushing players in position and pitchers to the big leagues faster than ever. And the sense is, I guess, they feel like they can – they can let them sink or swim up here and see if they can figure it out. But you're watching Jared Kelnick had some troubles with Seattle. He's starting to turn it a little bit. Uh, look at Wander Franco playing with, you know, with Tampa Bay, who's with the number one prospect, you know, as, as the year began. He's setting 220. So it just, it's not an automatic. Not everybody's Juan Soto. Not everybody's Ronald Acuna Jr. And there's a lot of guys that are being put in those positions and some, take a little bit longer to succeed and and I think that's been a you know an interesting thing to watch you know what a reality is about bullpens year to year you got no idea you got no idea where one year Lou Trevino can't get anybody out the next year he's pitching like an all-star you know who would have thought Sergio Romo would, would rebound the way he has and how great he's looked lately just talk about how tough it is for guys like David Force to build these bullpens because they're so inconsistent well Jake Diekman's ERA was what zero three last year Give him one home run. He's given him the most home runs he has in a season. His fastball command in that situation has been a problem. And his <coughs> little frog in my throat. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> his fastball command has not been what it was last year. And, and it's almost you, you can't – that those numbers were so gaudy in such a short amount of time. It's unfair to place that number and say you've got to duplicate that the following year. Even he knows that as long as he's been around. It's a simple thing as fastball command. You know, we both know with, with Lou, the arm has always stayed there. I think it's been more above the shoulders. And once he began to believe again and then started using his starter's repertoire with curveballs and change-ups, uh, that, that has enhanced him once he finally got the cutter back to a point where it's a, it's a big part of his uh, attack mode with the opposition. But you, you, you can keep on looking for ways to, to shift the bullpen, and the A's have by bringing in Romo this year, late sign a, Andrew Chafin comes in, and he's done a nice job for the A's in his three appearances for the Athletics. There still has to be, there has to be a, a couple of guys that you've been that you've been able to count on more than once. I mean, not everybody can be Tampa Bay, where they they trade their closer and they they bring in you know the Rasmussen guys throwing 100 miles an hour. You know, Fairbanks goes on the IL, no big deal. We'll run somebody else out there, and they they just find a way with their system that they can interchange a lot of arms, and I think that's. That's more difficult to do, and I think not, not as many teams can do it like Tampa Bay can. I think the A's are in that same category. This is why you've got, you've got holdovers that are given a chance to bounce back, and they have bounced back. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Tampa just has this factory of 6'5", six, 6'4", six, guys that throw hard. By the way, I was in San Diego yesterday for the off day, having to do a little family business, and uh, ran into some people downtown. A lot of people think, they should probably shut down Fernando Tatis and just have the surgery now because this shoulder thing's been bothering him for years. Right, yeah, he's had it for a long time. And, and that's a big investment. Third time this year. And they're going to – they can wait it out in terms of the IL. They can wait it out for a week or so and see if it does get better. He's proven this year two things. One, he went on the IL the first time. The second time, he did not. He said there was more pain this third time than, than the previous two. So what does that mean? We'll have to wait and see. He, he is so important to them to, to make things happen. Well, coming up next, Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to join us. You can just hand him the headset. I can do it. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. We'll Good talk you to guys. you uh, tomorrow. Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to join us, the Padre broadcaster, longtime player, San Diego State great. 
Hey, it's great to have you on the program again. How are you? I'm good. How about you guys? You know, the last time we saw you, I don't remember, was the winter meetings in San Diego. It's been, a, what was that, two years ago now? Yeah. Yeah, that was a... Uh, that was a big event for uh, for San Diego in that winter. It was fun, a lot of fun to be at. Yeah, it's like crazy. We talked to so many different people around the game, you know, because we got all the different teams and we know all the broadcasters and everybody, and we're just finally starting to see people again. Right, right. Isn't it weird? Because in our game, we're so used to seeing everybody year-round, and then you don't see anybody for two years. That is, uh, that is how this game has been built, is that with the relationships you, you're able to make while playing and being around it and – Last two years, year and a half, is it's been tough not seeing faces. But this is our first trip traveling, so I'm excited. Wow. I'm excited just to be <laughs> at, at this Oakland Coliseum. It's a great first place to start at, for sure. I, I think I've told you I grew up in San Diego, and I was actually there yesterday doing a little family stuff. And I was downtown, and just the buzz yeah. around the yeah. team. I mean, if I would have told you, I don't know, a year ago that a Tuesday night, between the A's and the Padres is going to have like 45,000 people, you would have said what? I would have said you're out of your mind is what I would have said. There is no shot. And I, listen, I, I was I was at that game Tuesday, and I was even amazed. I mean, we've had some sellouts this year, more so than we've had in a long time. But for a Tuesday against Oakland, yeah, and that's no knock against Oakland. It's just that's not a necessarily a, a draw for people to come out. There was no giveaways, but that place was filled to the brim. And that's by the way, there was a lot of A's fans. There was at a the game. bunch of A's fans there. I can't even I can't even lie. Like you looked out, and it was weird because you know brown, gold, yellow. It kind of all goes together in terms of when you see the stand. So. You had to kind of pick them out, but there was good Oakland re representation there for sure. Well, I'm glad to see the excitement and the the division in the West. I yeah. mean, we never saw this coming with the Giants. You expected the Dodgers to win, what, their ninth straight division. But now this is kind of like we're in this dogfight with Houston and Seattle. It's a sprint from here on out. And you got what you got from yep, the trading deadline, and it's yeah. here we go. It's go time. It's funny. You told me at the beginning of the year, Padres were three and a half out again from from the Dodgers. I'd be like, all right, yeah, we'll, you'll take that for sure. Uh, but you wouldn't have anticipated the, the Giants, the one setting the trend, the setting the, the tone here in terms of record. They're three three games ahead of Houston in terms of the best record in baseball. So the top of the West has been that kind of uh, of division. And it's funny, it's kind of played out the same way in the AL West, right? I mean, I think we all knew Oakland and, and Houston were the two teams, but. Who would have predicted Seattle all of a sudden is playing the type of baseball they're playing? So uh, it's 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 going to be a, an uphill. It's going to be a tough fight for the Padres. I mean, I don't think the Giants are going anywhere. I think this team is for real. At least they believe it at this point, and that's that's as dangerous of a thing you can have as when a locker room believes they're as good as they're playing. Well, don't worry. On our side, we're hoping that the Giants do fall. <laughs> so we're with you on that one, by the way. Um, you know, speaking of our ball club, you got to finally see we made a lot of moves at the deadline. Good moves. You know these guys. Uh, we, As I said to start the show, and I said it in the postgame show on Sunday, we added some dudes. You did. We added some players, ballers, World Series champions, all-stars. So if I'm like San Diego in the advanced scouting, it's like the team that you saw in San Diego is not the same team you're going to see here in Oakland. No, and if you were advanced scouting for the Padres, you would know that Je Josh Harrison has, has terrorized the Padres this year, and, and so has John Gomes. Both of them were in Washington, maybe the trip before you guys came, the homestand before you guys came, and killed the Padres. So uh, Padres aren't very happy to see them now wearing another jersey 
and having to face him again because uh, obviously those two guys can play. But I think the, the, the maybe the move of the entire trade deadline was getting Starling Marte. He fits what this team needs. He's kind of – when you look at the Oakland A's from, from the outside looking in, it looks like a bunch of castaways that are, are, have decided they're going to band together as brothers and play good baseball. And Sterling, Mar Sterling Marte kind of fits that kind of mold that the, the Oakland A's have. So I think he's a great addition. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. He hit for power. He can hit for average. He runs the base as well. He plays a terrific center field. So you got yourself a, a, a game-changing game type of player in Sterling Marte. And then the other guys I mentioned – uh, they're going to be big helps for this ball club. For yeah, sure. Marte actually tried to throw some bunts down, and we were all like, "Wait, are we allowed to do that, Oakland? <laughs> Is this money ball? Can we, are you allowed to bunt?" He, he, he's he's a he's a hybrid. You know, he, he to me, in my opinion, he, he's like a a, a poor man's uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Like he can he has that type of game to him. Um, not as maybe as consistent as Acuna has been, uh, but that's the type of player you're getting. If you need a bunt, he can get one down, and then he can do a whole bunch of things on the base path. Yeah, so being down in San Diego yesterday and have dinner with, with some people and uh, downtown, and and they're like, you know what? It might just be for long term because of the contract to just say for Fernando Tatis Jr. to get the surgery on the shoulder and get it right. Yeah. Where are you on that? I'm not there yet. There, I mean, the way he recovered from the first two times that he had to spend some time on the I.L., I don't think he's there yet. You know, they said it took a little bit longer to, to slide back in in that shoulder uh, area than it did the first couple times. But there is, at least at this point, there's been no signs that that's where they're headed. Now, we'll know more when we get back home. He didn't travel on this trip. He wanted to give it some days. If we come back and they are, and he's starting to hit again, he's starting to take ground balls, I think he'll be right back on, on track to come off on time from that 10-day IL. However, that's not the case, um, then you might have to start worrying a little bit. Obviously, he's one of the most dynamic young guys in the game, and we got a lot of great young players. Yeah, yeah, we do. But do you see him long-term being a shortstop? Do you see him being a corner outfielder? He's got the great athleticism. He can play anywhere. Where do you see him long-term? I see him long-term at short. I really do. I think uh, it would take it would take a, a, a – I mean, and this is – Fernando's as special as it gets in terms of athleticism. Um, it would take somebody even more special, I think, to move him from that shortstop position. I know he's had a lot of uh, errors this year. I think he's still leading the league in errors. Yeah. Um, all of them really on the, from the throwing spot, not really fielding. And I think as we've gotten into before he got hurt, he had pretty much cleaned up all those the throwing issues. It was really just a matter of getting his feet in the right direction to be able to make a strong throw. Um, but I don't think he's going to move. I think he's going to eventually be a, a, a multi-time gold glover at that position. So when I was in high school working for the San Diego School of Baseball, okay. all right, on the weekends I worked the Miramar location. Okay. And I'll never forget, football's on, it's early Sunday morning, your dad pulls up because your dad was part owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one was in there. I mean, everybody's watching football. They're not going to the batting cages <laughs> in Miramar. Remember where that was yes, in Miramar? I absolutely remember where it, it was. And like, it was like it, it just like these weird offices. So, I mean, there's no one there. And I remember setting up the cage at 65, and I just sat there as a high schooler and watched your dad, one of the greatest years, just ripping it back up the middle and watching football going, I can't believe this is going on. Well, there's a great football, art. Football, Tony Gwynn <laughs> yeah, here. This is like, great. And next, you know, he came out, you know, and he, we, he, I think he had we coffee and we hung out and talked a little bit and then he left. Um, 
but there's a great article today about how 40 years ago today, yeah. Walla Walla, Washington, your your father started his career. What an unbelievable career. It was a great story. Uh, first of all, shout out to Corey Brock who wrote that article. He did a tremendous job of taking you to Walla Walla, Washington, and you could almost visualize a lot of the things you were reading in that article. Um, it's one of the places my dad talked about a lot was, you know, as I started my professional career, he talked about Walla Walla, Washington, and you start to hear kind of the the stories behind, you know, what kind of player he was there. Uh, it was a, it was a well written article. It was nice to go back down memory lane to see, you know, a, a young Tony Gwynn and John Cruck pretty much yeah. <laughs> together all the time. And if you know Crucky like I know Crucky, uh, you can visualize all of that. Them on the bikes, them riding around, them hitting. Uh, my dad was a. a he was a he was a baseball nerd, so like showing up to you said the school of baseball, that was like fun to him. That wasn't work to him, and so you can understand why he was able to become the hitter he was. I mean, he 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 was blessed with great hand-eye coordination, which is something you need to hit a baseball. But he worked tirelessly, and and it was something he enjoyed doing. And what a lot of people don't know, because I actually saw your dad. I grew up right next to San Diego State. So I actually saw your dad play college basketball at the yeah. sports arena. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize Tony Gwynn's the only guy ever to be drafted in two different drafts in the same year by teams in the same town, Clippers and Padres. Yep. By the way, so I always get a, a, a beach house down in Mission Beach for the All-Star break. I took my – I got 15-year-old twins. So we went over – we went to UCSD to look at the campus. Yep. San Diego State's completely changed from when I was <laughs> growing up there. Though? I was like, wow. It's completely changed when I was there. That was in 2003. It looks completely different now. Yeah, I could. it's grown up. It has. It's a very, very, very it's impressive. A, it's much more of a big big boy college now. It's not, the, it's not the small town college that I think you and I grew up watching. It's, it's much more established now. So I played. the reason why I left, I played at San Jose State. So I remember playing, what was it, Smithfield? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. drove up. Yeah. I was able to get the gate open, so I, I kind of get – I'm like <laughs> – They've got full-on stands now. Like it's, it's a, it's a made. I mean, listen, you know. How about the arena? The arena is is the is the the, the jewel. You know, that's the on campus. Um, it's it's gotten a lot more play as that basketball team has gotten better and better over the years. Um, baseball. Once they, uh, I think John Moore's was the one who had a big hand behind building Tony Gwynn Stadium, which they play in now. Uh, it they got a lot of good facilities over. It's a great school to to to, to have a chance to attend. Now, I remember for a long time, I don't know since they've had this great run in college basketball, yeah. but your dad was the all-time assist leader for still a Still is. Is he still? Still the all-time no assist leader. No one's passed him? No one has passed him. Nobody <laughs> knows that, by the way. <laughs> it's the greatest sports trivia question you could ask Yeah. because uh, nobody knows it. My dad's first love it, it, it was basketball. Uh, he loved it to death. I think when it came to him getting drafted, as my mom tells the story, he realized he was too short. And he felt like there was more longevity in, in, in baseball. And I think, as my mom said, he's like, you know, I think I'll play baseball, play for five or six years, and then do something else. And we see how that one turned out. Well, if you remember how bad the San Diego Clippers were to then go on to be even worse in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, th I think your dad I think, made the right decision, yeah, right? Yeah, your dad made. Hey, it's always great having you on the program. Thank it's you, great Chris. to see you. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you guys. You know you're my National League team, so uh, I'd love to see the Giants tank it. 
I would Me love too. to see the Dodgers, even though you did play for the Dodgers. I did, but that's okay. They can lose too. And you got, you got, you have family history in <laughs> yes, LA. Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> but they can tank too, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, in, in, enjoy what you guys got going because it's special. And thanks, and we always appreciate the time. Thanks, Chris. We got more coming up right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. As we're getting you ready for a little A's baseball. It's a beautiful day here in Oakland. It's going to be a fun series. Two teams that are, they're chasing. They're chasers. They're the hunters. They're not the hunted. The hunted, that's the Houston Astros. That's the San Francisco Giants. The A's and the Padres, they're the hunters. And sometimes it is better to be that team where you're hunting. And that's where the A's are right now. And I'm going to be very curious to see, Commander, what what the attendance is going to be like tonight. How fired up people are about A's baseball. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think people are going to be excited to see the new players. I think a little bit of the sizzle is off the stake with no Fernando Tatis Jr. No, I don't think. Do you think that matters for A's fans? No, but I think people, I mean, I think casual baseball fans would like to come see him play. Um, but I don't think for A's fans, I don't think they care. But, I mean, think, I think if you're a diehard A's fan, you want to see the, the the guy, the best player on the other team play too. But um, if you want to see Gomes and Marte and, and Josh Harrison play, come on out. I'm I mean, the Padres are only here. This is the only trip here this year. They're chasing down the Dodgers and the Giants. Don't forget about the Dodgers. Dodgers got a big series starting tonight in L.A. Uh, that means I'm a, I'm, I'm a Dodger fan. They're playing. Dodger the, Blue, Farmer John and Dodger Blue, baby. Walker Bueller. I, I got to see who's pitching tonight for the, the Astros. But Walker Bueller tonight. And guess who pitches tomorrow for the L.A. Dodgers? Mad Max. Making his Dodger debut. And Farmer John. Uh, let's see who's pitching tonight. How many the, how many games is that series? Uh, so it's just two. At it, it, Chavez, it's the well, first time. Eight, eight. Think, wait, did Houston play yesterday? Uh, no. So, out of nowhere, remember it seemed like uh oh the Astros are starting to walk away from not run away but walk away from the from the A's. Not the case. A's are only four and a half games back. They are. I mean, you're one series. A's win these two games. Dodgers beat Astros twice. You're two and a half back, man, <laughs> with the day off on Thursday. So I, I don't even want to talk about the wild card. The wild card to me is a non-factor right now. It is all about the division. It is about winning every night, putting the pressure on the Houston Astros. That is eye on the prize, no question. Uh, Walker Bueller versus Lance McCullers today. Tomorrow, Five and dive McCullers. Jake Odorizzi versus Mad Max Scherzer tomorrow. Uh, both night games at Chavez Ravine. That'll be one I'll keep my eye on, seeing Max Scherzer for the first time in a Dodger uniform on the mound at Dodger Stadium. Uh, so they that, have- is, dude, that, that is, that, you know, we talk about getting some, getting some real guys in here. You picking up Max Scherzer at the deadline was a, 
That, that's a bold move. Don't forget about Trey Turner, too. Well, he's hurt. I'm yeah, talking but about still. But that's a bold move. You pick up a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, and he's not like it's not like Max Scherzer's old, long in the tooth. He's still nasty. Picking up a guy like that, it's basically Verlander 2.0 a couple of years ago at the deadline when the Strohs, with what, less than 30 seconds to go, pick up. And that was obviously through the waiver wire process. But to pick up Verlander the way they did, I think that's the exact same thing. You're, get, you're getting a guy with the pedigree. Now, he actually, he has, you know, the difference between Verlander and Mad Max, Verlander had to go to Houston to get his World Series ring. Mad Max is bringing his World Series yeah. ring to Los Angeles. And once you and once you get Kershaw back, that race in the NL West is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, can, I mean, can the Giants hold on? I mean, we saw Chris Bryant hit a home run in his, his first game as a Giant. Then yesterday, uh, the Giants come back. The Giants barely beat the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. But Dusty Baker was asked about uh, what it's going to be like in Arizona and uh, in LA. Here's what he said: Probably not good. Uh, when asked about the reception at Dodger Stadium, it wasn't bad in San Francisco, but I'm sure it's going to be a lot more hostile when we get to L.A., so we're going to have to deal with it. You're not really worried about the reception that we're going to get. You just have to go out there and play ball. Uh, yeah, until after the game, Dusty's complaining like he was in New York and L.A. when they played the Angels. Is he still complaining? Uh, I don't think he's complaining as much, but remember earlier in the year when he complained about everything yeah. to start the year? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that bad, but we'll see. Well, I mean, I, at this point, I mean, Dusty, we're in August. You guys have been getting booed everywhere you go. I mean – Cole Irvin's are going to join us here. But, I mean, at some point, this has been going on. You have to be used to it. You can't be, like, at a standpoint, like, I can't believe we're Houston. We're going into L.A. We're still getting booed. Like, you got to wear it. I mean, it is what it is. How are you? Good. How are you? It's good to finally uh, see you in person on the field. In person is always better than not in person, for sure. So, how have you been? I uh, can't complain. I just uh, got to see a bunch of family yeah. uh, on this last road trip. I got my mom up in the northwest and... Uh, all my family on her side up there, and then got my family down in Anaheim um, as well. So, I mean, it was just a good family kind of road trip, I guess you could say. Watching you pitch, I always kept thinking about when you're walking off the mound, well, I'm sure you prep the mound, the base pass in front of the dugout. Like, does that ever run through your mind that I used to be on the grounds career? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I talked to them uh, when we were last there uh, pretty regularly. And then, obviously, in this in this last time, I got to be able to pitch on the on the mound that I've been around since high school and got to maintain that, that ballpark. And, um, you know, there's a lot of pride that goes into that stadium. So, I mean, there was no love lost for, for that dirt and for that grass there. Um, I, I enjoy every minute I get to, you know, suit up there. So there's still guys there that you oh, worked yeah. with. About wow. five guys. Five guys. Awesome. Uh, Vinny, he was my fifth grade PE teacher. So I knew him before I was even um, thought to be on the grounds crew. So that's been a that, – that was pretty cool. I've known him for a lot of years. And then uh, Barney and, um, you know, just the rest of the team there, they they were trying to give me a hard time. They are like, you better be working quick on Saturday because, you know, long games for a grounds crew does not result in an early night, you know. I bet they got a lot of pride when they – and I don't know what they've said to you, but – to think that you were a kid working with them, and they're now they're watching you out on the mound, they got to have a lot of pride in that. 
Yeah, there, there was it was a good feeling. It was it was it was really cool to just talk to them afterwards, and you know they were all they all had smiles on their faces. And um, I asked I asked Bird, I asked him, you know, how many guys do you think went from grounds crew to the big leagues? And uh, he was like, probably zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, it you was might a be of, a trivia question. Uh, might be. Might be, but you know, I had a lot of fun with those guys, and and Bert gave me a hard time because he goes, couldn't do it in two hours and thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it was like two hours and forty-five or something like that. Well, I do appreciate uh, as someone that's uh, on obviously well before the game and on well after the game, I do appreciate the rhythm and where you go. Uh, I can't tell you when, you know, the athletics we we had a what we had eight straight games over three hours. We had one of them it was a two nothing game and it was over three hours. I like it. You get the ball, you throw strikes, and and let's get the team back into the dugout. Good or bad, I am. You can count on me for for one thing, and that's working quick and working in a rhythm that that suits me. And and I think that's. I was told by a sports psychologist that uh, a hitter it takes a hitter 13 seconds to forget the previous pitch. So if you put a timer on me, I'm I'm within that 13 seconds at least ready to go um, maybe releasing it at 15 or 20 but I'm trying to get it I'm trying to get the ball and go because I, I don't want that uh, that pitch uh, to be thought about I don't want him to clear it I want him to think about that previous pitch that's fascinating yeah well also we all know when you pitch and you pitch to contact the guys behind you are engaged mm-hmm. a heck of a lot more yeah and you got a great defense behind you but I want to follow back on that so if I'm a, if you throw him, you flip me a breaking ball and I miss it, I got 13 seconds, mm-hmm. and so you're thinking I want him still in that mindset when I'm throwing it again. I don't want him thinking about what pitch is coming next. Wow, that's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, Ken Revisa, who's no no longer with us, is uh, was the person that introduced me to that theory, that thought, and. Uh, I learned that at Oregon, and so that's kind of been a, a mindset I've always had, and hasn't hasn't left me. And and that's something I've always kind of carried into every outing is is reminder of, you know, there's gonna be times where I gotta take my time and, and kind of reset myself and and get ready to go. But that 13 seconds is still in the back of my mind of trying to release the ball. So you think of those relievers who get up, throw as hard as they can. Get the ball, go around the mound. You're now at 25 seconds. You've you've basically given the guy the ability to breathe, rethink, yeah. reprocess. Yeah. And after this interview, I guarantee you, every hitter's going to take 30 seconds in the box. So that's <laughs> not going to be my fault. Batting gloves. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yep. 100%. So uh, I'm glad I gave everyone my my uh, my theory. And <laughs> now I can still get up there and throw it. You know. What do you think is different about you this year versus previous years? You know, I, I, w- I was talking to Jim Salisbury of, uh, with NBC Philadelphia today, and he asked me the same thing. And to be honest, it was just a lot of off-season work of, of improving of where I wanted to be. I, I wasn't happy with um, the results of the previous season, and I know I could pitch better. And um, the command wasn't there. So I really took the off-season to focus, on, focus in on my mechanics, on top of my adjustment to move to the other side of the rubber from first base side to the third base side. And uh, that allowed me to open up my arsenal on the inside part of the plate, throw my slider a little bit more. Um, And it just got me into a lot more confident uh, area and the command levels shot through the roof. And it's just been something I've been riding and, and believing in. Well, something that we have talked to A's players 
all these years that we've been doing this that when guys come here, they know they have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I don't know you can say that in every organization. So it's one thing to say the different things that you've done, but the other thing is that you came here when they, when they basically bought you from Philadelphia. There has to be something psychological about it, knowing that, hey, if I do pitch well, I will have an opportunity here. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Dalton Jeffries and I had a, an incredible spring, and he and I became close through it. And, um, you know, he might be might have been my first friend in the organization. And so, uh, you know, he pitched well to earn that opportunity as well. And, um, you know, those big decisions don't come down to us. And, unfortunately, we had we had fires out. And, you uh, and I just had to had to continue to pitch and facing the Houston Astros uh, two times, you know, first two starts, uh, given a new opportunity, isn't always easy. Um, I felt like I pitched better than the numbers showed, but like it was, it was one of those deals where you had to focus on what what was that next pitch, that next opportunity, what when was that going to be, and take advantage of that, and uh, found a rhythm and and haven't looked back. You know, it's so funny when you look at lineups, you look at staffs, human beings feed off of each other, whether it's good or bad, right? Correct. Everybody can go bad at the same time. Oh, yeah. So when I think of 73 straight games, you guys had the same five guys going. You guys have been feeding off of each other. What has this been like? And you also lead baseball in innings pitched. Uh, I mean, I think right before the All-Star break, uh, I, I, I turned to Frankie and I said, I think we might be one of the few organizations or few rotations that have all all but one guy that has 100-plus innings on the year, and that kind of blew me away. Um, I, I've This is the first year that I've kind of taken a, been able to take a step back and look at my performance and, and be happy with it going into that uh, all-star break. Um, and so it was kind of unique to share that kind of excitement and, and that, uh, that need to want to continue what we've been doing all year um, post all-star break and and um, you know Sean has been incredible for me as another left-hander that I can kind of lean on and talk to about um, you know attacking lineups and attacking hitters or what he might be seeing and what might he might be even working on um, that might be able to help me improve my game and Bassett does not come uh, into the dugout with something to say every time and so he's another great person turn around yeah, see, in the dugout, <laughs> talking. Not surprised. <laughs> Just not surprised at all. Uh -huh. uh, and that's and that's the cool part is is every single one of us after we come out of the game, we talk about it. We we absorb that that outing, good or bad, and we just keep trying to find ways to improve each other. And and when guys are throwing well and there's a string of good starts, you're you're hoping that we continue that success. And, and I think you saw that in the this past road trip as we started having those good starts and now it's starting to lead to, into more good outings. You know, I, I, I think about the fun that you guys have during the game, obviously inside the clubhouse, and now you got a trident, you got all this stuff going on. <laughs> right. But you don't want to be the weak link. Talk about that, how you don't want to be that guy that has the bad start in between the other four. I don't even think we think about the bad start. I, I really don't. I, I really think we were so focused on improving each other's, you know, next outing that I, I don't feel like – the weak link is is even a thought or is even a, a conversation that we have like if we have a bad start like i did in seattle um we we talk about it we we, we kind of embrace it and say hey wipe that off your back you're getting into, the, into this next game and you're gonna and you're gonna pitch well you know and then that's 
that's ultimately what happened is is they they reminded me like hey you're still pitching well don't worry about it it's not a, you know it's one start and so i think that weak link chain is uh really tough to find in our rotation because we're we're extremely positive um in between starts and with ourselves but more even more so with each other all right just two more um when you start thinking about the guys you just added to the clubhouse Mm -hmm. you added some real players oh yeah world series champions all stars and when you change three bats out of nine and not saying they're these certain guys on the bench are not going to play now and still murph's going to catch at times but just what did it mean to bring in just not experienced guys but legit players I mean, we, we've we've had a great team all all year, and to add uh, three offensive guys and uh, Andrew in the in the bullpen, I mean, I think it gives not just the rotation a little pick me up as an excitement because we've we've pitched well all year, um, but more so, I think the bullpen has got another reliable arm. We've had a reliable bullpen all year, um, and then just having that offense uh, that offense boost is just going to be a really driving factor for this second half, and and I forget how many games we got left, but I know that we're we're itching to play a lot of games, and we're and we're ready to kind of take on whoever's in front of us, and um, it's a lot of fun, and it brings a lot of energy. This is the first time I've got to experience it, um, a, you know, a trade deadline and being a part of a, you know a winning ball club, and that is just giving me so much energy just to like want to go out and pitch well and. and Give our chance, get our, give our offensive a chance to, you know, put us put us up on the board, and it's it's just, it's just really exciting. And I got, I mean, Bassett said that it, you can ride this energy for two weeks. I feel like we're going to ride it into the into the postseason. I love the Randy Macho Man Savage glasses, by the way. Those are the exact same <laughs> those glasses, right? Back in the day, Macho Man. All right, let's end on this because I know you're going to love this. I can't wait. We're in August. You know, it starts in late August. Right. College football. Uh Uh-huh. And there's going to be a lot of Pac-12 hate in that clubhouse. Oh, it's going to be incredible. Stanford, Cal, you got Oregon. I mean, I can't wait to see you guys get after it. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect yet. Um, I haven't had this many Pac-12 represented (laughs) in the clubhouse. Uh, I'm definitely excited. Uh, You know, I've been paying attention to what those Ducks are doing up in Eugene and – you know the conversations haven't quite started yet, but oh, I know will. That, I know they're about to, and it's it's going to be exciting. I love football season. Um, Saturdays Saturdays are for the boys, so you know you gotta you gotta be able to you know have some fun on on Saturdays during season. Well, I mean, I mean, you think you got Jed, you got Piscotty, Stanford. Right. When, when Simeon was here, we had so much Cal from Melvin. <laughs> to, I mean, it's like everybody at Canna, everybody on the team was from Cal. So yeah. it, it gets pretty spirited. So and adding you to the mix, who, who's USC? Well, don't forget Dalton Jeffries is a Cal guy too. That's another Cal guy. James Caprellian's a uh, UCLA. UCLA, but UCLA. He, isn't he a USC fan though? That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his whole family was SC, and he was the only one to go to UCLA. So I think he's playing. B- playing for both teams he my he, grandfather went to usc so i'm i have a little bit of love there too i can't believe a bruin on this show live on the air said he roots for usc over ucla i believe it i believe it i mean that's crazy he, he's got he's got so much trojan in his blood that i i don't know i don't know how he went to ucla i know <laughs> i know it's probably because of savage but but yeah no i'm i'm the same way uh you know, if I if it wasn't me for enjoying all those 
all those years of good Oregon teams, um, you know, I still root for USC. I try to watch both teams as much as I can. I don't know if we should. Well, well one more. Uh, Kevin Franzen. <laughs> Kevin Franzen gave us a call when we traded for you. Mm-hmm. Kevin and I both played at San Jose State. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you got to get him on. He's fabulous. I got to tell you, Kevin was right. From whether we were doing the go-kart when we first yeah, got yeah, you. Yeah, the first, the first call, I was at the go-kart track, well, yeah. of all things. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're great. We appreciate your time. It's great to finally – this is what we normally do in non-COVID. We're like the only team allowed to do this. So to do a live talk show from the field is always really cool. Great to have you. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. Streaming from Ricky Henderson Field, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. That is right. We are now watching the Padres take batting practice, getting ready for this quick two-game set. Clevenger, I forgot Tommy John surgery, but he'll be back next year for them. Right? Is he under contract? Yeah, I think next year's he's a, next year's his last year. Then he's a free agent. But yeah, he's on the field. Uh, what's he playing? Second base. They've made a lot of moves and taken out a lot of money. He doesn't make that much. He's a uh, – Oh, he's making – he's not making the minimum, I can guarantee you that. No, he's like a salary – he's like a – like not a – you know, he's not a league minimum guy. Let's look at – he's like a like an arbitration guy, probably got a deal from the Indians. Let's see. Yeah. Sorry, the Guardians. Yeah, t- tell me how many millions he's making. Uh, Clevenger this year – he signed a two-year deal through 2022, so from this year and this year and next year, he's making uh, 11.5 over two years. So yeah, to go along with a couple $300 million contracts, the Hosmer contract, you uh, Darvish, that all adds up, man. Dar, Dar, who else is making money? I mean, could, we wouldn't pick up a contract like that. Uh, Probably not. Uh, no. Uh, man, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean that that there, it, it it when the Padres started handing out these contracts, that's when, let's be honest, we all kind of said, I know the owners are claiming poor, but if you've got a team that's not considered a big market team that's handing out some of the biggest contracts in the history of professional sports, that means everybody's got money. That means everybody has money. What, what, what they're making, you know, I hear, oh, what they didn't make in attendance. You know, what they're making on the, on the TV contracts. If you've got a place like San Diego that has not one but two $300 million contracts, has that ever happened in baseball where you had two guys on the same team that had over $300 million guaranteed? Uh, what's Stanton making with the Yankees? Yeah, but he's the only guy. Cole. See, three hundred million. Three hundred twenty-four. He got. But what's that's what I mean. What's I forget what uh Mike don't John Carlo don't call me Mike Stanton's making. Well, when they got him, there wasn't three hundred million left on the contract. No, he, it was a thirteen-year, three hundred twenty-five million dollars. But deal. still, once again, has anybody ever given two guys? They didn't get. They traded for it. 
They've never given. They've given one guy a three hundred million dollars. Yeah. Pitch. Well, no. A was A Rod two three hundred? No. So is this really the only franchise in the his, history of baseball to have two contracts that they signed for three hundred million guaranteed? Um. For, yeah. From right now, because what Trout's Trout's is all just one. Because Rendon only got like what two forty five. Yeah, they don't. That's Mo- just one. Mo- Mookie's is Mookie has one, but no one on, no one else on the Dodgers makes anything. Uh, Kershaw doesn't make three hundred million. Lindor just signed for over three hundred million. But no one but, on the Met, no one else on the Mets makes anything. And, and, and what's crazy about this that you have to understand about this franchise, where we talk about the issues for our franchise, their issue is they're blocked. They're absolutely blocked everywhere you look, and you say, "Well, Chris, what does that mean? They're blocked." Well, to the north is the Angels and the Dodgers. And then to the west is the Pacific Ocean. To the east is the desert. And to the south is Mexico. So they are an actual, this is not like a St. Louis Cardinal where they have this massive region where you're like the Yankees or the Red Sox that have all of New England. You essentially got San Diego County, and that's what you got. Because there's not a whole lot east. There's not yeah. a lot of people. Once you yeah. once you go deep in the desert, he- heading to Arizona, there's not a huge population. So you're kind of you know it's a it's a franchise that has its own unique situations. So if they can be signing people to three hundred million dollar contracts, it tells you the these there's a reason why these franchises don't show you their books because they can be they can be very very um, cash rich if you look at it. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that they're the only team that has the only the two guys they gave three hundred million dollar contracts to. Because there's teams that, I mean, you look at the you look at the the Guardians and the and the Pirates and the Marlins. These teams don't even they barely want to resign their homegrown guys. Essentially, I mean, look, they, the Indians don't want to re Guardians, whatever we want to call them for this year. They want to resign uh, Lindor. You know, there was rumors of them wanting to trade for, uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, the Pirates, you know, their their problems. They did sign McCutcheon years ago, but then they traded him. Uh, the Marlins never resi- they resigned Stanton, but then they traded him. They didn't resign Yelich. They didn't resign uh, Marcelo Zuna. So I mean, there, there's a lot of organizations that don't want to put up the money, but the Padres did it. And well, you know, Tatis first year of his deal, he's been hurt. he's been on the aisle three times with a dislocated shoulder. No, it's 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 a it's a problem, and you know, there's there's some people who have the view that they should just because of the long term investment, he needs to have surgery. I understand you're trying to win right now, but, I mean, this is a serious long-term investment. I mean, don't you want to protect your investment? Because you don't want to get to a point to where he has the issues that affect him and and it turns into a lemon situation. I I, I don't think he'll be a shortstop long-term. I I, um, I know Tony, Tony Gwynn told us he thinks he's going to be a shortstop. I What, what do I know? I'm not a talent, talent evaluator. I'm just a uh, video game GM. But I, I think that he's going to end up being like a center fielder. I think that might be the best position. It for might him. And it might be to protect him, just put him out in left field. Yeah, I, but I think he has. Well, I think he has the arm to play in the outfield for sure. Oh, for sure. I, I think any of the outfield positions. I think center field, though, the athleticism, the ability to track down balls, the arm. It's a lot of wear and tear playing center field, though. Yeah, but I think he'd be able to do it. I mean, but then again, he, the shoulder worries me a little bit. Maybe you do put him in left or right field. And speaking of the Padres, they uh, they DFA'd an old friend today. I don't know if you saw that. Jorge Mateo DFA'd. So, God, there's a there was a roster move for the Padres uh, made today. So, so you got where? How's Fowler doing? 
Uh, he was with the Pirates. I think he's in the my. I think he's in the minor leagues. I mean, at least you got something for Sonny Gray. You think right now with Cap? You know, I mean, you traded Sonny Gray for three top prospects who were all hurt. And if they weren't hurt, there's no way you would have got that haul if those guys would have been healthy. And Mateo, remember he led, he led the led the uh, AAA and triples, and but I don't know. Plus, he was what well, he was playing. Didn't he play third? Uh, I saw him play third base a couple of games ago. Uh, I mean, he could play anywhere, and he's fast. But that's really about it. And the Padres at the deadline go out and get Adam Frazier. I mean, they made some moves, but. I don't think they made the right moves at the deadline. And they're such a feast or famine team. I mean, there's times where, you know, like like look at the series against the A's, where the first game they're hitting home runs. You know, the guys who hit, on, hit home runs are putting on the chain and everybody's having a good time. And then the next day the A's take it to them. They're, they're a very inconsistent team, which I'm hoping this is what the A's don't become with the new players in the lineup because the A's were very inconsistent. Well, you know what they were consistent at? Not scoring runs. They were consistent at starting pitching, bullpen pretty good. But you got to realize, June 22nd, there was one game. What was the game where the A's finally got the double digits? They hadn't been a double digit since, like, June 22nd. Was It was against the Padres last week. Yeah. Oh, in the, in the second win the, against the, the Padres. The, the Blake Snell game. Yeah. You're talking – you're going to go back all the way to June 22nd? Double, you haven't had double digits? Are you kidding me? So – I think what you're going to see is a completely different lineup. And if you're an A's fan, I hope you're excited because you should be excited because you brought in some terrific players. And let's just, you know, and I think that day off, as we said with Vince, I think the day off's big. You know, you get traded. It's emotional. No question. There's a lot of a lot of new things that you got to deal with. You know, the travel, got to get to San Diego, got to get into uniform. Now you're coming back to the Bay Area. It's a brand-new team. Got to find a place to live and the whole deal. How nice was it to have a day off for these guys that have gone through this whirlwind of leaving a franchise they just won a World Series with, and now they're moving on, that they get to have that day off and just to have, like, a breath. Like, <sighs> so if you're staying, I don't know if they're staying at the Claremont. I don't know if they're staying in San Francisco, but just to get into a hotel – and just be cool and sit back and relax and now get ready to play two games, and then you have a third day to relax. Yeah, and then you play three against Texas, and then you're on the road again. Uh, kind of like what happened with Chris Bryant with the Giants. He's on the road in uh, – I, the the, I think they were playing in D.C. He finds out he gets traded. He flies back to Chicago, gets his stuff, flies to San Francisco, plays his first game Sunday. Then he flies on the road for a long road trip with the Giants starting in Arizona yesterday. So – I get exactly what you're saying. And, you know, the A's are going to face uh, Blake Snell today. Blake Snell, the uh, – the, the, how do we want to put him as the, the guy from the, uh, the World Series that was taken out. I don't want to say martyr, but the guy from the World Series that they got pulled too early. Blake Snell this year is 4-4 four four with a 5.44 ERA, 19 starts. He's gone less than five innings 11 times this year. He's gone less than six 16 times this year. Well, so has he pitched since? No. His last okay. start was against the A's. So if I remember correctly, that's now 16 out of 19 games he didn't go at least six innings? Yeah. That's I mean, that's just for the for the pedigree uh, and what they traded for with him, that's just pathetic. That is just – and you saw it too. You saw how easy – you know – 
you know, when you get, when you got somebody who is a big time pitcher, taking that guy out early is hard to do. It really is hard to do. It just seems so easy when the when the A's put up seven against him. Uh, yeah, he gave up seven. He went four innings, gave up seven runs, and he only struck out one. It batter. just seems so easy, like oh, just another one of those outings. Here's the here's the ball. It just seems to it's it, it. He's too resigned, you know. When the pitchers are like, "You're not taking me out." I, I no one in the bullpen's better than I am. You know that that mentality. Yeah. He doesn't seem. He's obviously very gifted. He's won a sigh, but it's just he doesn't seem to have that killer mentality. And that's what you think you're trading for, but you 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 don't get that. And you know, getting back to what the Rays and the A's do. People love what the Padres have done. We ink this guy up and we have this guy forever. You think that's the way to go until things start going south and guys get older and now you're stuck with these massive contracts that do not work. But that's what fans like. Fans rather lose with guys that make a lot of money than win and do it the way the Rays and the A's do. I think that's safe to say because, I mean, how many times have I taken phone calls in the postgame show bitching about the way David and Billy do business and ownership? And here, ownership just took on more money. They made deals to strengthen the team. But people people love this. People love, I can buy a jersey, and I have that guy's name on the back of the jersey. for. But that doesn't mean you win. Spend they're, Spending the most money does not guarantee you're going to be a good ball club. Yeah, you want to ask a perfect fan base about uh, spending money and keeping guys around too long? Ask the Giants about Buster Posey. And now they're all having good years this year, but what about the last couple of years before this year? How many guys? How many p- player members of their fan base wanted those guys out? Crawford, Belt, Posey, all of them. Cueto. I mean, it happens to a lot of teams. Same with the, the Yankees. I'll give you maybe one of the best examples was the run that the Phillies yeah, had. that was what I was thinking, too. Where they won a World Series, then lost to the Yankees, and they just kept trying to keep that team together, trading all the prospects. They just kept getting older. And then all of a sudden they looked up. And all of a sudden they looked up. And boom. They're old. They're not any good. And... They've been in a rebuild ever since. Yeah, uh, and they're – I mean, still look at them. I mean, you you run Kapler out of town, and you see what he's doing with the Giants. You think Joe Girardi's the answer. They're still trying to figure things out. Uh, you bring in Bryce Harper for all that money. Now, he's been a productive player for them, but he hasn't been the, the star they were looking for him to be. You bring JT Romuto back, but you don't bring enough players in around him. Your pitching staff stinks. Uh, you bring in Kyle Gibson, but it's just, you're right. They, they held on to those guys way too long, and that's what you don't want teams to do. So that's why people don't understand what's happening with the A's and the Rays and why they do it the right way. You may not like it, but it works. All right, coming up next, it's the Bob Melvin Show. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. We want to thank Cole Irvin, Tony Gwynn Jr., and Vince Catronio. I'll be back in about eh, around 10 minutes with A's Total Access.
A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.